want to learn about random stuff. Thanks, tiny computer. 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 Hello. Hi. That's Sheridan. And that's Taryn. And, and this, this is Thanks, Thanks tiny, tiny Computer. Wow. That was good. That was pretty much spot on. Yeah. It's like we've been doing this for 15 episodes. Can you believe it? It's, it's actually a lot, if you think about it. It really is a lot. And honestly, it's pushing 20 now because of all our, like, mistakes. Mistakes. <laughs> yeah. We've done this more times than not. Yeah, that's true. So, this week's episode's going to be a little bit shorter. A little bit shorter. Uh, we still have a couple of interesting stories to tell you, but we are on vacation with our family right now. Uh, 10 years ago, we went as a family to Arches, um, with our dad and his, we just had his birthday on October 7th. So we decided as a family, we would go back to Arches and spread his, yeah. And it's such a beautiful place to be in. And we're so happy to be here with one another and support each other during this difficult time but it's been lovely yeah so we're gonna just jump right into our stories then you're first sounds good so uh mine's pretty short but i thought i would tell you guys a little bit about arches national park arches is a national park just north of moab where we're staying on the eastern side of utah The arches were first brought to attention of the National Park Service by Frank A. Wadley, uh, passenger traffic manager of the Denver and Rio Grande Western Railroad. Wow. All those things. (laughs) But evidence of humans dating back 10,000 years ago are evident in this area. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So some of the first discoveries date back to the Ice Age. So that's really cool. That is so cool. Uh, In April 1929, shortly after his inauguration, President Herbert Hoover signed a presidential proclamation creating Arches National Monument. Nice. The name Arches was suggested by a guy named Frank Pinkley. He was the superintendent of the Park Services West Southwestern National Monuments. Man, this is very boring. No, it's just <laughs> lots of information that you have to say in one sentence. Uh, in early 1969, just before leaving office, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed a proclamation sustainably... Su- That's su- all right. Blah, 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 substantially <laughs> enlarging arches. Two years later... President Richard Nixon signed a a legislation enacted by Congress, which significantly reduced the total area. Oh, my gosh. But changed its status then to a national park. Okay. So, I guess that's good. Yeah. At least it was conserved. Yeah. Still. Thanks, Nixon. In 1980, vandals attempted to use an abrasive kitchen cleaner to deface ancient hieroglyphic graphic how do you say it hieroglyphics in the park why would they do that i don't know i want you to do more research figure this out isn't that like so obnoxious it's so obnoxious it's just really oh man but this is kind of cool this prompted the park officials to recruit a physicist who specialized in using lasers to restore works of art wow that is incredible isn't that cool that's awesome so he used technology to repair the damage perfect which is just amazing and it was 1980 (laughs) lasers (laughs) it was like they were just invented then it's like giant (laughs) it's like um austin powers laser 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's Do- exactly Dr. what Evil. I thought of. Yeah. Um, the physicist zapped the panel with intense light pulses and succeeded in removing most of the cleanser. Wow, that's amazing. I just don't get people. Yeah, what was, what's the purpose even? Seriously. It's so You're not going to get famous or anything from it, so quit. Quit being I, I really don't get it, yeah. I'm like, I was sitting here trying to think of a reason why, and I just can't even... You just Why would you take you... time out of your day to go ruin history? Yeah. <laughs> so strange. So a little bit more about the actual like landscape. The National Park lies above an underground layer. <laughs> Dr. Evil's lair? <laughs> Lasers. It, it, it lays above an underground salt bed. Okay. And in some places, it's like thousands of feet deep. Oh, my God, no. So it's, like, insane, like, how thick the salt bed is. And that is the main cause of the formation of the arches, the oh. spires, the balanced rocks, the sandstone fins, and eroded monoliths in the area. Wow, that's incredible. Which, when we went 10 years ago, it really impacted me. But, I, of course, that was a decade ago. Yeah. Like, And I was a kid, and I was all, you know, being a mess. Yeah. So you just don't appreciate things the way you do when you're older. So I'm Definitely. so excited to see it all again. I know. Me too. Um, there is an abundant. Uh, there's an abundance of wildlife that occurs in arches. Oh, yes. That includes the spadefoot toad. Oh, I love those. The, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the antelope squirrel. Now, all of these are so hilarious. I was like, what are these? Are these made up uh, like Native American creatures from maybe, stories maybe just kidding keep going scrub jays <laughs> fake <laughs> uh desert bighorn sheep oh yes the kangaroo rat uh nope <laughs> <laughs> the mule deer okay that's fine cougars <gasps> which when we were coming down from delicate arch do you remember it was dusk yeah and i started jogging down that big flat rock uh-huh just because I thought it would be fun. And we need to get up out of there. I was also like, we've been there all day. But uh, what's funny, when I got to the bottom, there was a sign. You know, there's like the like the war- ranger part. Uh-huh. And it's like, warning, don't run at dusk. These are when the cougars are out and they'll eat your brain. <laughs> like, I was just running. And I was like, did anyone see me? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, there's also rattlesnakes. All sorts of lizards. Yeah. You gotta, sparrows. You gotta be careful out here. Uh, so that's just a little bit about the wildlife. There's all sorts of fun things to do at Arches National Park. Uh, I'm sure Jeep people know about Moab, but it's a huge place for going off-roading. Yeah. And there's a massive Jeep convention. It's a whole thing. Our When we went last time, our granddad got a wild hair and he restored a a 73 Jeep, I believe, and it was so cute. Ugh. And he also got another Jeep to tow it, but we had so much fun. <laughs> and this time he rented us a couple of Jeeps, so that'll be a good time. Um, but other than going off-roading, you can go hiking, of course, some bicycling, which I don't get people who enjoy bicycling off-road. No, it's pretty intense. I can barely bicycle on a flat road. Well, and if you listen to episode 14 and listen about the Tour de France guy. Yeah. That's brutal. Um, You can go camping. 
You can make egg salad. You can go backpacking. <laughs> What's the difference between backpacking and hiking? You're backpacking to camp? Yeah. Where, yeah, you take your camping equipment with you. Canyoneering. <gasps> which Is that I, like rock climbing kind of? Like I don't know. canyons? Rock climbing is the next one, so maybe they're related. Sure. We could, we can ask somebody here. Yeah. <laughs> I think Sheridan might have some stuff up her sleeve. Yeah. And that's the fun information about Arches National Park. It was very educational. Uh, it was so educational. I got my information from Wikipedia. Thanks, Wiki. A lot of presidents had their hand in this. I think it's most national parks. I oh, think okay. if you read about any national parks, it would be a similar. Sure. This president signed this thing. And this yeah. Thing. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. And I actually cut some of the presidents out. <sighs> So many presidents. Because it was like little amendments here and there, like so a railroad could go through or, you know. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, great job. Thanks. Everybody needs to know about arches and visit. So. Support our national parks. are staying in the town of Moab, which is pretty much where everybody stays if you go to visit arches. So I was just kind of looking about hiking in Moab and different adventures that you can take and kind of like how you just explained about arches and I came across something very interesting. And so I'm going to tell you the survival story of Danelle Balangi. Oh, you're not going to tell us about the city of Moab? Nope. <laughs> I went rogue. You did go rogue. This is not what I foresaw. Uh-uh. Sorry for the boring story, guys. No, this is good. This is going to be really good. So on December 13th, 2006, Danelle went for a run with her dog, Tasman, just outside of Moab. And about an hour into her run, she was hiking up a small canyon to connect to a Jeep trail that would complete her loop. She was almost to the top when her foot hit some black ice. The ice pulled her feet out from under her and sent her sliding straight down an icy rock face. Yep. She hit a ledge about 50 or 60 feet below. Oh, my God. She says, I wasn't dead. I touched my legs and I could feel them. I knew I wasn't paralyzed. I tried to stand up. No luck. She had broken her pelvis, but she didn't know that at the time, obviously. She just knew that she could not stand up. She was critically injured. She knew that her endorphins and adrenaline were just working in full force. And she knew she had to get herself out of the canyon. So she dragged herself back down to the bottom of the canyon. All while in excruciating pain. I cannot even imagine. Where's Tasman? So he's with her. Wait, did he fall down with her? He goes down to her. <gasps> yeah. Tasman! <laughs> Dogs are the best. I know. We don't deserve them. <laughs> we don't. Uh, her screams of pain echo through the little canyon. She dragged herself for five hours. Oh, my God. Making it a quarter mile. That's how far she got in five hours, dragging herself. Not very far. It was dark, so she couldn't really see where she was going, and her hands were frostbitten. Her arm had landed in some ice, which broke the ice, but so she was able to actually get something to drink, so she could drink some of the water underneath. Um, But it did get her wet, and she started to get really cold. Hypothermic. Mm -hmm. But the water from the puddle did become her lifeblood. She dragged herself a little further. Her lifeblood? Yeah, like she would have died if she didn't have any like water. She had been... I never heard that phrase before. I don't know. It was in the article. (laughs) I just kept it in there. I I thought it was lifeline. Mm. Lifeline blood. It's both. (laughs) 
So she dragged herself a little further and looked down the edge of looked down the edge of a rock. It was about a four foot drop and it wasn't the route, but she knew that she needed to get down there. Oh god. So she decided she's just gonna stay there. She was too afraid about dropping down the four feet. And so she laid there with her hands between her legs to try to keep them warm and decided that she would just stay the night there and keep going in the morning. And it was a really long night. She said the shooting stars would have been beautiful if it were by choice. This wasn't my choice. I wanted to be at home warm in my bed. And it was super cold. It was in the 20s that night. Oh, my gosh. Bless her. To keep from freezing to death, she moved her head up and down, like in a crunch position, tapped her feet, and rubbed her hands together. She did that for 14 hours. Where was Tasman? Yeah, he was cuddled up next to her. And he did provide her some warmth, but 20 degrees outside. Dog can't do much for you. And he was probably freezing, too. He was. But she was really careful not to fall asleep because she feared she would die. She would probably would have. At first light, she started to move into position to keep going, but she was in so much pain. The endorphins and adrenaline had already worn off, and when she tried to move, she'd recover from the pain, move, recover from the pain, move again. And she just kept doing that for several hours, and she listened for any sign of life and kept screaming for help. She kept hoping someone would hear her or would come to the canyon, but no one came. She had to stay another night in the canyon. She said the oh. second night was longer and colder. And oh, my God. A ball of blood had started to form in her midsection because she was losing a lot of blood internally. Yeah. And she just kept com- continuing to tap her feet, rub her hands together, and kept doing crunches all night again, careful to not fall asleep. Could you imagine having a broken pelvis? And doing crunches and, doing and tapping crunch. your feet and, like, kicking them on the ground because that moves your whole leg. Yep. So Taz knew that something was really wrong by now. And she told him that she loved him and asked him to go get help. And she says he's just a dog, but she was desperate for anything. And she would try anything. Um, She tried moving again. And with the most terrible. Did he go get help? He did. He kept leaving and coming back to her. Oh, I my God. I'm literally about to <laughs> I know. cry. I know. Uh, So she rolled over face down. And she was just like, I got to jump. I got to go down these four feet. She was like, I just, I won't survive it. But I also can't stay here because I won't survive here either. She tried to get up over the little ledge, but kind of got stuck like in a little pothole um, on the same ledge that she was on. So she was trying to get off of it, got stuck in like a little pothole. And she just couldn't get herself to drop down. Um, But she knew she was going to die if she stayed there. And it would have taken several days of dragging at the rate she was going anyways. So the next hour, she's next three hours, she spent just getting herself back out of the pothole she'd gotten into. Oh, bless her. Yep. I love survival stories. So it says screams of pain echoed in the canyon as she desperately hoped someone would notice she was missing. She had told a friend when she left to go on this run. She was just going on a run. She wasn't even going for a hike or anything. She had told a friend two days before that she would call in a couple of hours after her run. She remembered that she had left her lights on, her blinds up. She remembered her laptop was on the, the coffee table and the door was, um, the screen door is propped open. She was like, my neighbor has got to notice I haven't made it home. And her truck was left parked at the start of the trail. So she just kept calling for help. Yeah, because eventually. Mm-hmm. So the next two hours, she laid there preparing herself to die. 
Taz had been running up and down the canyon, returning to check on her every so often. She said that he brought so much joy and laughter to her life since she had rescued him three years before. He was her pal through thick and thin almost every moment of every day. And she was afraid that was about to end. (laughs) I know. You just really had to gut me, didn't you? She thought she would die and never see him again. So depression was just hitting her really hard. Yeah. But the warmth of the sun was on her body and it was a relief from being so cold the night before. And at this point, she had been awake for over 60 hours. Oh, my God. Taz returned again. He was wagging his tail and started licking her cheeks. And an airplane was flying (gasps) overhead. And she raised her arms in case, by chance, whoever was in the airplane might see her. The airplane kept circling and returned again. And this time lower. (gasps) She heard the sound of an engine. And the sound got closer and closer. Oh, my God. I have chills. I know. The spark of hope awakened her body and mind. And she was fully alert again. Screaming her ass off. The sound stopped just below her. The engine sound. At the base of the rock ledge that she was, like, debating on dropping herself down from. And she heard a man's voice say, I'm here for you. (laughs) I'm literally covered in jolts. His name is Bego. B-E-G-O. Bego. Tell me they got married. No. He he rode his ATV to the flat rock next to where she had been for 52 hours. And he approached her and said, she said, I'm so glad to see you. He said, I'm so glad to see you too. And they just both started crying. Taz wagged his tail and he started licking the guy's hand. He wrapped her in a warm sleeping bag and then four under four other members of the Grand County Search and Rescue arrived to help. Minutes later, just before dark, the helicopter found a landing spot. She says, I was given a second chance for life. And she's now a mother to two sons, William and Noah, and has a husband. It's not Bago. They own uh, Moab's oldest restaurant called Milts. Oh, let's go. I know. I thought it'd be so fun. And now she directs the Moab Trail Marathon. That's so cool. Yeah. So did she lose any fingers or anything from frostbite? Nope. She, she obviously was, so was in the lucky. hospital for a while. But yeah. Oh my God. And her baby Taz. Yep. And I got all my information from a site called snowshoemag.com. That was awesome. Yeah. I don't want to hit any black eyes. Luckily, yeah, it's not December, so we're good. It will be with the group. Yeah. And we won't be running either. So if we hit ice, we'll hopefully just be Maybe I will be running. From the cougars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good job. Thanks. Aw, I love a good um, survival story. Well... I hope everyone is being safe and taking care of themselves and being healthy. Definitely. And we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye-bye.